Good morning, everybody. It's good to see y'all this morning. Let's stand up and let's give God some praise this morning, this wonderful Sunday morning. I don't know what you woke up for this morning and came over here, but I came over here to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I didn't come over here just to socialize. I like seeing everybody, but I came to praise the King corporately as the body of Christ to give him praise. And I'm sure everybody else will file in here shortly. Here we go. Yeah. 
sing in the middle of the storm. And louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. And up from the ashes, hope will arise. Cause death is defeated, but the king is alive. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. I'm gonna sing louder and louder. You're gonna
love the storm And louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar And up from the ashes Hope will arise Cause death is defeated But the King is alive Aren't you glad this morning that the King is alive? He's not dead Amen. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the hardship, you got to raise a hallelujah. Praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because if Satan is coming your way, if he's fighting you, if he's attacking you, that means something else is on the horizon that he sees and you don't see. So you just begin to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Because he's never lost. He's never lost a battle and he's not forgotten about you. Amen.
you know that he won the war already? Jesus, mighty overcome, our defender has conquered Christ's Okay. 
his feet in the darkness He has never lost a battle Cause who are you, great mountain? 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 never lost a battle and he never will amen he is my king my lord and my savior and there is no one like him on the earth below the earth above the earth there is none like him
Oh 
there is none like you none like you the faithful one jesus there is none like you none like you the faithful is changing now for the spirit of the Lord is here the evidence is all around and the spirit of the Lord is here the atmosphere
surrounded by your love We need your love A miracle can happen now For the Spirit of the Lord is here the churches, unity amongst leadership, and also we're going to pray for lost souls, but not just generically, that, that God would use us, that he'd give us new ideas to engage unreached people, new ideas to engage people that are far from God. And so this morning, as we're in that atmosphere, and we want to see God move, let's pray this morning. Are you ready to pray? Father, we just come before you this morning, God. We honor you and we lift you up, oh God. God, we glorify your name. We thank you, Jesus, and we worship you. God, we glorify you and we worship you, Lord. We just ask this morning that your spirit would bring unity to the church, God. Unify the body 
together, God, in one mind, one accord, one spirit, God. As we run after you, God, as we're hungry for you, God, bring unity. Father, bring unity that we can fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. God, I just pray that you would unify us under the mission and vision of life, life church, God, to make disciples, to grow in your teachings, God. Lord, we pray for the leadership represented here, God. Lord, that you would unify the leadership, God. You would unify us to walk and to lead the people as you have called us to do, God. Unify us to minister. Unify us to raise up leaders. Unify us under the mission and vision and the headship of Pastor Bob. God, give us direction to be used mightily to usher in a move that will change the world. God, we just pray that you use us, God. Use us and let us be a people that host your presence, God. We say, send us and we will go. We say, send us, God, and use us. Lord, we pray for the lost. God, we pray you give us new ideas to engage the lost. We pray you give us new ideas to evangelize. You, you, we pray you baptize us afresh in the Holy Spirit. If you are baptized in the Spirit and you speak in tongues, speak, do that right now. God, we pray you baptize us afresh. God, we pray you fill us with the Holy Ghost. God, we pray you fill us with the Holy Ghost to reach people that we have been called to see dead men live. We have not called to clean people up, but we're called to see dead men live. And I pray that when we preach the gospel, dead men would be made alive. That, that depression would go. Anxiety would flee. Alcoholism would be broken. Addiction would be broken. God, and I pray for your power and your anointing here this morning, God. I pray that you set the captive free. I pray you bring about freedom for those that are in bondage to addiction. I pray you bring about freedom to those that are in bondage to depression. Oh, Father, God, we pray for a move. God, we pray for a move that will shake the nation. God, we pray for a move that will bring the people to change morality God we pray that you will awaken dead men God we pray you begin in us we pray you revive the church you awaken the church and you you call her and empower her to be who you've called her to be in Jesus's mighty name and if you agree with that say amen 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 let it be Lord Hey, greet somebody around you. We're going to do something a little different. The worship team's going to stay up here. So greet somebody around you.
For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm so excited and glad that you're with us this morning. And if this is your first time, I want to welcome you to service. And we invite you to fill out a Connect card at the Welcome Center after service. We've got a special gift for you. We want to get to know you. We want to connect with you, help you find your place in the body and in God's kingdom. We're so excited you're here. And I do have a couple reminders I want to remind you guys about. So we are getting ready. Say today. today. Oh, come on. Say today. today. Carpe diem means seize the moment. Amen. And today we are launching the hospitality team. Immediately following service. Immediately follow. Oh, come on. Hey, immediately following service, look, I've already got the pinwheels, I've already got the food, the sandwiches, the drinks are iced down. Come on, somebody. Hey, insert in this room, off the foyer, we're going to be casting vision. It's going to be an interest meeting. You're invited to attend. It doesn't obligate you to do anything. Hey, the worst case scenario, you get some good food. Nevertheless, our heart and our vision for the hospitality team is that we raise up a team of individuals committed to serve that we raise up a team of individuals committed to serve, and the goals we want to accomplish with this team is that we engage, invite, and acclimate people to the church. And so this team is going to be the, the launching pad for getting people plugged in, getting people, you're going to help with care ministry, you're going to help with ongoing, following up, visiting people, calling people. And listen, there's so many opportunities to serve in so many different areas that I promise you, we will find you a seat on the bus. I promise you, I'll make that personal promise for you that we will be able to use your gifts and talents in some way. And so listen, Jesus said the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. That's right. So that's why we're launching the hospitality team. Listen, immediately following service, I value your time. It's not going to be long. Immediately following service in the room just off the foyer, we've got sandwiches, Cokes, and we'll be casting the vision for the hospitality team. Also, I wanted to remind you guys about the women's meetup. It's going to be May 21st from 3 to 5 at Dino's on Bertrand. And then also, listen, we've got another serve opportunity. It's going to be May 30th to June 1st. We're doing a kids' crusade. Listen, this is an awesome event to get on board with. You can get involved by serving and helping uh, lead kids to Christ. There's going to be um, meetings where it's going to be a power-packed message where kids get saved. How many of you know there's no junior Holy Ghost? Right. Oh, come on. There's no junior Holy Ghost. So the same Holy Ghost that baptized the adults with fire is the same Holy Ghost that will change your kid's life. And this is an opportunity. Man, get your kid involved. Maybe you would stay and serve and, and be a part of what God's doing here at Life Church. You can visit the Welcome Center, find out more. Uh, but we do ask that if, you're, if your children are going to attend, you register them online at lifechurchla.com, lifechurchla.com, and there's a link to click. It's seamless. There's no cost. It's a free event, so you've got no excuse, man. It's going to be an awesome opportunity to get involved, to get your kids plugged in, to be a part of what God's doing at Life Church. Amen? Hey, Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And here at Life Church, we believe in giving, and we've given you four opportunities to partner with the Lord in giving. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a giving option on our website. And we've also got an app, a Life Church app, where you can uh, 
be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet one more time? We're going to do something a little different this morning. We've got two songs that Pastor Bob wants us to worship to. It's going to set the presence and, and, and get us ready for what God's going to do this morning. I welcome you to stand back to your feet. The heaven may be full, it won't prosper. When the tongues falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh my God, He would never fail. Oh, the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph Cause my, my God, God, He will never fail Oh, let's sing it again
let all the striving cease. This is my victory. Now I can't finally see it. She's teaching me how to receive it. So let all the striving cease. This is my victory. Conquered it all. 
never lost a battle. Never lost a battle. You conquered it all. Good deal. Praise God. Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for your purpose. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, and let your kingdom come, and let your will be done in these houses of clay, this house of earth. Let it be done in this place. Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, that God, that we would bend our knee to the will and purpose of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Before I get in the message this morning, let me just make a quick announcement that next week we're going to have a big announcement. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so you want to be here next week, I'm telling you. I want to thank the worship team, and, and, and uh, they always do a you know, great job of bringing us into the presence of Lord. But, man, I don't know, you may not believe this, but every once in a while, a pastor, preacher, minister loves it when God confirms. And uh, especially when you're feeling stretched. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody, ever God ever stretch you? <laughs> yeah. And, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if this is right or not. And then God does something to confirm it. And uh, bring this down just a little bit, brother, just a little bit, because I'm going to get a little bit louder. And <laughs> But um, I, I had texted uh, Pastor Justin uh, late yesterday afternoon. I, maybe it was early evening. I don't even remember. I said, I hate to do this to you. I know you probably already got a list of songs pulled and everything. I said, but... Uh, I want to do something different. I said, before I get up to preach, I, I, want, I want a song or two about victory, about overcoming. About, I said, you pick it out. You do whatever. But that's what we're going to do. And, and uh, I didn't tell him what I was preaching on. I didn't tell him what the title was or anything else. And wouldn't you know, these two songs use the word giants. <laughs> yeah. Hey, put my slides up. Come on. Help me out. I don't want to sing that song again. <laughs> and um, help me out, guys. That's the title. Living as a David in the land of Goliaths. I didn't say nothing about giants. I didn't say anything about anything. And here we go singing two songs about giants. And I went, Yes. <laughs> I said, thank you, Lord. And you say, why? Well, because I met with Pastor Josh during the week, and I said, man, I've been feeling like, you know, coming into the days of, Pe of the day of Pentecost in the church. I said, we, I want to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so I had began crafting like a small series of messages about the Holy Spirit. I know I'm going to preach them, and, but I really thought it was going to start this Sunday. And then yesterday morning, I know it sounds strange, but yesterday morning I go to brush my teeth. 
And as I'm brushing my teeth, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit yells something in my spirit. It shows me something. I see it. And now I'm like unnerved by it. I mean, it really shook me up. And you're thinking, well, what was it? Why can't I tell you that part yet? Uh, in fact, I probably won't tell you till next week. And um, so you got to come to hear that too. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say? And so all day long, I wrestled with what, where I was going and what the Holy Spirit had just spoke. And so finally, yesterday afternoon, I told my wife, I said, I'm taking the garbage out. I'm going to the church. I'm turning. I even left my phone behind. And I said, I don't want to be interrupted. I need to hear from God. <laughs> and, um, and this is where he took me. So um, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say it exactly the way he gave it to me. Is that all right? Now, some of you, maybe you're, this is your first time here, and you may think this preacher's got a few nuts loose. Well, he's screwed onto the right bolt, I can tell you that, because the Holy Spirit's just stirring me up on the inside. I mean, oof. anyway, so li living as a David in the land of Goliaths, we are living in a time that has never been known to humankind, listen to me, since the inception of the church of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. Since the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed, from that moment till now, we are living in a time unlike any other time. Unlike any other time. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because if you know anything a little bit about church history or about the Bible or whatever, you can see a lot of common similarities of things that are happening in our culture and society and the world today. But this is what the Holy Spirit began speaking to me about. He said, because the church was birthed on that day and it came into the world filled with Holy Ghost boldness and power. From its infancy, from the minute God came, the Holy Spirit fell and the church stepped out from the upper room in the, that place in Jerusalem. It was filled with power. It was not like a brand new baby in a nursery type thing. It was, it was new, but it was filled with strength and power at beyond anything that the world had ever seen at that time. It was birthed in miracles and signs and wonders. The people came, they heard the noise. There were tongues of fire on top of people's heads. Never seen that before. I mean, and they all say we hear them speaking in our own languages and we hear them declaring the wonderful works of God. They're going, what does this mean? And Peter, who had been the one who had said, you know, who had, you know the story of Peter. He had denied Jesus. He, I mean, he was like here and then here and then up and down, lived like on a roller coaster spiritually. And Peter stands up on that day and he declares with boldness, you crucified the Son of God. You crucified Jesus of Nazareth, whom we are his witnesses, and we declare unto you. I'm telling you, this Peter had been rocked. He'd been, he, he, he was out of the gate like a rocket on that day of Pentecost because that's the way the church was birthed. It was meant to be. 
But the church as a whole in 2022 barely knows how to spell Holy Ghost. Never mind know who he is, how he works, and what he is saying. The church in America today has downgraded the promise that Jesus gave right before he ascended into heaven. When he promised power, the church today has exchanged it for prestige. When he promised authority, we swapped it for approval. When he promised command, we swapped it for conformity. The church over the decades has gone from being a movement that was to reveal the power and the truth of God to the world to an institution of rituals and tradition. It has taken the truths of God's word and turned them into tales of yesteryear. And that's what caused me to think about the story of David and Goliath. Goliath was the champion of the Philistines, the enemy of Israel, the enemy of God's people. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 10 and 11, it says, And then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, who is the king, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Each day, this one man. Now the Bible declares that his height was somewhere in the range of 10 foot tall. Okay? It, it's, it, it talks about how heavy his armor was, how heavy his sword was. So every day, this one champion of the Philistine army would advance towards the front lines of the, the Israeli army, and he would bellow out this challenge. He would say, send me forth a man, one of your champions, and let him come and, and stand before me and fight me. And if he wins, we will serve you. But if I win, you will serve me. Every day he did this. And every day the Bible says he dared them. He dared. Does anyone out there not willing to take up this challenge? And day after day, week after week, that challenge would come. And yet each time... It, 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 it's amazing to me because every day the Israeli army, they, the, they would line up for battle. But that one giant would come out and issue the challenge, and the Bible says, and they would all turn and run. Then one day, David, a shepherd, a mild shepherd, we say he was a shepherd boy, he's probably just a young man, late teens, early 20s. He obviously didn't qualify for the army. You know, he, he didn't have the physical attributes of his three older brothers because he had come down that day to check on them, to bring them some food and see how things were going. And uh, he comes down and he witnesses this daily event, this daily challenge. And he, he, he witnesses Goliath coming forth. Now, these men every day, they've been used to this 10-foot 
plus guy coming down on his armor, you know, probably looked bigger than that when he's all dressed out, you know, for battle. And, and he's bellowing out his, his, uh, his defiance of Israel and the God of Israel and everything else. And David's watching this. And David waiting to see who is going to be the one who will step forward and accept the challenge of this individual named Goliath. And no one does. And in 1 Samuel 17 and 20, in verse 24, it says, He reached the camp as the army was going out to battle positions, shouting the war cry. Now I want you to notice something. David came down at the time that the army is going out to battle. And what are they doing? They're shouting the war cry. So picture it. Thousands of soldiers decked in, in, in their gar armor and everything else and weapons of war. And they're running out in a line upon line upon line, battalion of battalion. And they're, oh, you know. That's what he sees. And verse 24 says, And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now please, hear my heart, because this is, this is what Holy Spirit is speaking to me for the church today. And I'm not just talking about life church. I'm talking about the church in America today. Because I know when he gives me these kinds of messages, I go, God, who am I? I'm a nobody. Give this to somebody that's got a stage that reaches tens of thousands. But I have to be obedient. Because God is tired of the giants in our area challenging his church and watching his church run in fear. See, I read this yesterday and Holy Spirit spoke this to me and he said, Pentecostals are great at shouting the war cry. But when the real challenge is heard, they run in fear. This is not a condemnation. This is just a confrontation. And so Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and I'm going to give you three simple things of how to live as a David in the land of Goliaths. And the first one has to do that we have to change our focus. You have to change your focus if you want to be a David in the land of Goliath. How did I come up with it? This past week, I had my annual um, eye exam. I, I, think, I always think it's kind of funny, annual eye exam, like they only exam one eye, you know. But, but it's not right to say I had my eyes exam. I, I had my annual eyes exam. Eyes, you know, it's just, it's an eye exam. But, you know, nobody goes in and goes, just check this one. <laughs> you know, they're not going to do that. Anyway, maybe you never think about things like that. They, my mind's a little strange, you know. But part of the exam is the reading the letters off the chart. You know, it used to be you could memorize the chart. Now they're smart because it's all digital. You never know what they're going to put up there. You know, and they, they go, can you read the smallest line that you can see? 
and you'll read that, and then they go, can you read this one? And then they, they go down, and they just keep flipping it, you know, to different ones until you're at the end. You're going, no, Q-O-O-P-D-D, never mind. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And they go, okay, that's good. And they're going, that ain't good. You know, I'm like, I can't see, man. And so then they put you on that old machine, and they have you look through the thing, put your chin on there. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. And then they go, okay. And then they go, tell me which is clearer, A or B? And you go, do it again, A or B? One more time, A or B? Finally, you go, uh, B. Okay, now which one's clearer? And they go, A or B? And you're going, ooh, it's different. Um, and, you know, they keep doing that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they do that on both eyes, right? Until finally they go and they flip them around and they go, now tell me what you see. And somehow, whatever they've done, you can now read that tiny line before that you were going, Q-O-P or who knows what it is. And now you can read it, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And um, so I left this past week with a new prescription. Um, I usually only have these glasses, then they're for reading and for a computer. Because when I study, I want to be able to look at my Bible or look at this and then look up at my computer screen. My distance vision has been 20-20. Well, now it's like 25-25. So I'm like, okay, I mean, it's almost perfect, you know, but whatever. And I said, give me a prescription. And so they did that. But as, as I was, as I, when I left the place and I got back in there, I kept hearing them saying, which one is clearer, A or B? A or B? A or B? Which one is clearer? And all of a sudden, I not only had a new prescription for glasses in my hand, I had a new spiritual revelation in my hand. Because it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, for this is the basis for this message, which is clearer? Because see, every week, churches across America, people gather to sing songs of yesterday. Please don't be offended with me here, what I have to say. But churches will get together and people will sing songs of great moments of the past. They'll sing songs of celebrated events of those who have gone on before us, songs of truth the church once believed but have been demoted in, to past generations. They don't apply today because after all, this is 2022. We have technology that the church didn't have before. We have history to guide us that the church didn't have before. We have traditions that the church didn't have before. And yes, we have no power that the church used to have before. And many of the old songs were about marching, about armies, about power, about victory, about overcoming. And again, please don't get me wrong here. Many of our songs today are about our feelings, our desires, our wants, our dreams, our goals. Oh, Jesus, do this for me. Jesus, do this for me. Whatever. 
when our songs should be about the one who made us alive, who breathed his life-giving breath into us, the one who raised us out of the grave of sin and gave us newness of life. They should be about the one who imparted into us the spirit to make us into an army that would change the world for the cause of the kingdom of God. And the church as a whole has lost sight of that fact that we are here to proclaim your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But instead, we focus on personal victory. And, and hearing what I'm trying to say here, because I changed the words to that last song, Brother Justin. I made it plural. I made it bigger. In fact, afterwards, I want to sing it again, but we're going, to, we're going to change it. Because see, it was about, I'm going to see. I have the authority. I, and, and, and all of that is true. But I want us to go from seeing like this to where we see this, the bigger picture, the whole picture. See that chart right there? That's the picture from past beginning all the way to the end that's the bigger picture in fact i forgot to announce that tonight we're going to sum up the ending of all of that with the thousand year reign the final judgment and the eternal perfect state at six o'clock but that's the bigger picture but most people most christians live like this how does this affect me what does this do for me and, and, and they can't see anything. In fact, what they see is blurred. And, and, and God says, you need to change your focus. And we're too content to live with everything blurred rather than let God change some things. And when we focus on personal victory, listen, I believe in walking in victory. But it's not a matter of me doing something to get the victory. The victory's already been won. It's a matter of simply recognizing it and walking in it. But when our focus becomes singular and, and, and just on personal victory, personal situations, we ultimately limit God. Because we limit God to this little area of our life. We limit him to the, this. This is what God is about. That God is here to deliver me, help me, make me feel better, feel good, whatever. And, and, and we lose sight of the fact that we are called to be like David's in the land of Goliath. And instead we focus on our little problem, our situation, and all we want is the victory from that. And if, oh Jesus, you can give me victory for this, I'll be so happy. And in doing so, we isolate ourselves from what God's called us to do. See, when Goliath challenged the Israelites, they took the challenge personally. Each and every one of them did. They worried, if I step forward, this could cost me my life. They, they were paralyzed by the fear of what might happen if they should step forward and say, I'll take him on, and they fail. They were focused on their need of surviving instead of the purpose of their calling. 
Can I say that again? They were focused on their need for surviving instead of focused on the purpose of their calling. Because, see, they were called to step forward and defend Israel against her enemies. And the church today has to adjust its focus back to its founding call. Go in my name and be witnesses for me. That's the commission. That's what it's about. That's who we are. I did this this morning, and I, I told myself, don't do this. Don't do it. Well, when I walked in, I started off by seeing people. I go, hey, how you? Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Because I said, don't say, how are you doing? Or how are you doing? Or how are you feeling? Or what's happening with you? And I walked in and went, hey, hi. good morning, good morning, good morning. You say, well, what's wrong with doing that? Because when you greet someone, and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, how are you doing? How are you doing? Or, how are you doing? Or however you say it, okay? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you know? In that moment, when you do that, you get tunnel vision. Because all of a sudden, the focus becomes on you and what you're going through. Am I making any sense? And usually, we hear these kinds of responses. I'm okay. Could be worse. Can't complain. Wouldn't help if I did. <laughs> right? I mean, really, you know? I mean, and if we are simply the sum total of what's happening to us at that moment in our life, our life has become very, very small. And which is clearer for us? A or B? Us or God? What are you seeing right now? Which is clearer for you? Because I'm hearing the Spirit of God say to his church, wake up. Open your eyes and focus. Amen. The second thing, if you're going to be a David in the land of Goliaths, you must believe that you can do something. Something. We, we sang it in the song a minute ago that we have authority over the devil. We have authority over demons. Does anyone here really believe that? Three of you. I want the rest of you to believe. So I'll ask it one more time. Does anybody in here really believe that you, in Jesus' name, have authority over the kingdom of darkness? Half of you. Okay, well, at least you're being honest. <laughs> In the book of Acts, chapter 1, the last part of verse 4, it says, Jesus said to the disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, 
He told this to 500 people right before he goes up into heaven, right before he ascends up into heaven. No strings. No scientific technology. He's talking to them, and all of a sudden he starts going up. Nobody saw that one coming, I'm telling you, right? I mean, if it had been the day and age of today, we'd, everybody would have had their phones out going, right? He tells 500 people before he goes into heaven, wait for the promise. Wait for the gift my father's going to send. Don't leave the city. You've heard me speak about this promise. You've heard me speak about it. Don't go wait for it, okay? And then in verse 8, it says this, but you will receive power. Say, will receive power. Oh, I'll say it like it, it says, will receive power. Thank you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, say will be. Now you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's what the promise is to God's people and to the church. Individually, you're a powerhouse. Corporately, even bigger. You've heard the old story about the guy that come in and said, man, I had a bunch of trees knocked down from the storm. And, and, and I was out there trying to chop them down, you know, to haul them off. And some guy said, you need a chainsaw. And the guy says, yeah, and he got some chainsaws. He's at the hardware store, you know. And the guy goes, yeah, we got all kinds. Here's the top of the line. He said, this thing will take, make quick work of what you need done. And so the guy takes it, and he's excited, and he comes back the next day. He is wore out. And he takes that chainsaw and throws it on the counter, and he said, this is the biggest piece of junk I've ever seen. He said, it's heavy. And not only that, I am wore out trying to make this thing cut down those trees. It's worse than the saw I had, worse than the axe that I tried to use. Well, I can't believe people get by selling this piece of junk. And, and the, the store owner, like, I can't, I can't figure out what's wrong with it. Did you put fuel in it? Yeah, I did everything he told me to do. So he just reaches up, primes it, and pulls the cord, and wow! And the guy who bought it jumps back and goes, what's that noise? <clears throat> He'd been trying to cut down trees. What a chainsaw. And the church in America is like the man who's trying to cut down wood without the power of the chainsaw. I stated in the beginning, you need to believe that you can do something. So I'm going back to this verse, and I want to personalize it. Because I want you to take this verse over the next week or so. And I want you to personalize this. I, I, you notice I've, I'm not desecrated God's word by doing this. But I took out the you to, and made it personal. But I will receive power when the Holy Ghost Spirit comes on me. And I will be his witness. And I'll put in Lafayette and in Lafayette Parish, 
and in Louisiana and to the ends of the earth. Now, wherever you live, you just take it and change it. See, you need to believe that you are where you are at this moment by design by God to do something. And here's what happens. We, we look and go, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do this, or I can't. God's not telling you to do what he calls somebody else to do. He's saying, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in the town that you live, in the parish that you live, in the state that you live, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So right now where you're sitting, which is clearer, you are God. What your belief is or what God's word says. And the third thing that I would say is if you're going to live like a David in the land of Goliaths, you have to take an offensive posture. Notice how I said it, offensive, not offensive. <laughs> Two different words spelled the same way. Two different meanings spelled the same way. And Christians today, oh, they love, especially on social media, to be offensive. Can I tell you, you don't need to have the spirit of offense to offend someone. All you need is the truth of the gospel, and it in itself will offend those who don't believe. But I'm not talking about, well, your attitude needs to be, I'm going to wake up today and see how many people I can offend. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking an offensive posture. And what I mean is take an offensive posture versus a defensive one. Christians tend to live with a defensive mindset. Okay, I remember years ago, I moved to Louisiana in 1973. And I, I became the associate pastor at First Assembly of God in Thibodeau, Louisiana. I didn't know where Thibodeau was. I didn't even know how to spell it. My wife and I looked it up on a map, and we couldn't find it. We had to call and ask someone because we thought Thibodeau was spelled T-I-B-I-D-O, Thibodeau. We had no idea there was an H and B and D-E-A-U and X and all that stuff in there. And uh, I had several jobs there. I had like nine hats. And I tell the pastor who's retired today, the reason I've lost all my hair is because every time I turn around, I was changing hats. You had me doing this. You had me doing this. You had me doing this. And one of my things was either leading worship or uh, doing the transition from worship and usually it was leading worship. And, uh, but afterwards, he would say on Sunday night service, he said, let's, let's have some testimonies. Testimony service, you know. That's an old-fashioned thing they used to do. And, and so I'd ask for testimonies. Now, you may not know it, but that's supposed to be a positive moment where people get up and say, I want to give Jesus the praise that he did this this week. And I want to give glory to God for what he did in my family. And I, I want to give God praise for... That's what it's supposed to be. But every time, literally 
every time I would ask for a testimony, someone or several someones would get up one by one and tell us everything that the devil had been doing against them that week. And their testimony would always end with, please pray for me. There was one old lady in the church. Pastor said, if you see her, don't you dare ask for a testimony. Because her testimony always began how in 1918 at a brush arbor, she received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And she would give you what God had done up until the 1940s. And then she would stop. And I remember one time I turned to her and I said, Sister, has he done anything in the last 35 years? Well, you young whippersnapper, who do you think you are? I've been saved longer than you've been born. You know, and, and so one Sunday I, I, I scanned and I didn't see her. I said, safe. Anybody have a testimony? And on the last row, 95 feet away, she was hunkered down behind this big old fella, and she stood up. She was all of 90 pounds, sopping wet. Praise God. I said, oh, Lord. And I looked at the pastor, and he said, like, you dead. I said, I didn't see her. It finally got to the place where my pastor told me, don't ask for testimonies anymore because if instead of something to celebrate and rejoice about we all ended up feeling like we just buried our best friend because christians are constantly living on the defensive posture and let me tell you something you cannot change the culture around you when you're living in a defensive posture the Apostle Paul prayed for the believers, the Christians at the city of Ephesus and the surrounding area. In Ephesians 1 and 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power towards us who believe. And he goes on and says, in case you don't know what that power is, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. He says, I pray that God open your eyes and help you understand what's, what's there. You've got a chainsaw, but it won't work if you're doing it like this. You've got to pull the ripcord. You've got to pull it and say, mom, mom, mom. power, baby, power. Holy Ghost and power. Devil, look out. Mom, 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 mom. I started to bring my chainsaw in here this morning. But I thought somebody would be running and go, there's a mad preacher down there being live streamed. They probably turned me in. Uh, preacher attacks audience with power saw. <laughs> See, most <laughs> y'all ain't going to remember nothing else but the chainsaw. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> See, most Christians in America today do not live anything like the early church did. 
We say we want a New Testament church. We say we want a New Testament way of life. We say we want the miracles and signs and wonders of the early church. But the church today doesn't really believe it can happen or that God even wants to do it. I was intrigued this week. I was listening to the book of Acts over and over and over all week long. And I've read it a, literally thousands of times. I've taught it. I've studied it. But I was listening to it again. And I, I don't know when God slips that verse in or that phrase. And you go, God, when did you stick that in there? And I was listening to chapter 1, verse 9. And here's what it says. <laughs> and after he said this, it was Jesus. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Now, this is verse 9. Verse 8 was the verse that said, Don't leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me, comes on you. Okay? And in verse 9, he says, Bye, y'all. And he goes up into heaven. And we know their mouths dropped open because the next verse tells us angels said, Men of Galilee, why are you gasping? Why are you looking up here? I mean, as Jesus went up, there all 500 of them are going. And as I listened to that this, this week, all of a sudden the thought hit me. Jesus put an exclamation point on verse 8 with that event. Wait for the promise that you have heard me speak to you about, and you will be my witnesses throughout all the earth. And then he goes up into heaven, and it's like he puts an exclamation point on verse 8. Boom. He said, well, what do you mean? I mean, once you've seen a guy go up into heaven, what else are you going to talk about? Come on. Once you've, seen a, once you've seen a guy go straight up into heaven, oh, yeah, what are we having for lunch? Oh, no. You're sitting there going, uh-huh, whoa. All of a sudden, your calendar just cleared. All the things that were taking your time just dissipated because God put an exclamation point, boom, like that. See, Jesus didn't call you and I to live in a defensive posture. He told us to go. That's offense. Those of you who watch football, you know what I'm talking about, American football. They, they got the two-minute warning, right, the two-minute drill. Do you know more, more points are scored by offenses in the NFL in the last two minutes of a half or a, a, a game than usually in the rest of the game, statistically why? You know why? Because the defense goes, instead of being on charging, they go back and they're playing defensive. And when they're playing defensive, the offense gets the upper hand. And they keep going back and back and back and back and back until they score. See, Jesus didn't say, just go. He said, go, and I'm going to give you something to talk about. 
I'm going to give you something. And so those 500 were there. And, and they saw him go up. Woo. Wow. Things changed. Which is clear for you. Where you are. What God's word says. So you're sitting there going, Pastor, how do I get to that place? How do I change from defensive to offensive? How do I change my focus? How can I gain the courage and the boldness to not only speak out but stand out? I'm going to give you two things real quick, and then we're going to pray. First one is you must determine to know him. I'm going to tell you something, and time... We'll judge it to be true or not. But there are events that are about to take place this year that are going to turn what we know as normal upside down. I can't go into details. I'm just telling you what I know Holy Spirit has shown me and is saying. But we... You must determine, I should have put now, say now. You must now determine, or now you must determine, or you must determine now, somehow put now in there, okay? To know him. And to go back to the story of David and Goliath, that encounter, Goliath gives his daily challenge. Israel, his fi their finest, they run in fear. But a young shepherd boy who had a relationship with God says in 1 Samuel 17 and 26, says, David asked the men standing near him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice, the focus wasn't on him. He said, who is this guy that defies the armies of the living God? David didn't have the physical attributes of his older brothers. He couldn't wear the shields and pick up the sword, but he did have something that obviously no one else in that whole army had. He had a relationship with the living God. Because 1 Samuel 17 and 37 says this, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David had spent time in the presence of God. He had given time to strengthening his relationship with God. And that is the crux of it all. The willingness to wait on God to know him. Jesus told the disciples, these were the guys that had already cast out devils, who had done miracles in his name. They had preached boldly in his name. They said, we've seen demons run in, in, in when we speak your name. They'd already seen that. They'd witnessed the resurrection. And yet, what, you think, what else could they need? Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem without the promise of the gift that my Father has promised you, which you've heard me speak about. And here's something I want to say to you, and that is this, that the hardest thing in the human spirit to do is wait. Now, the church for too long has been waiting, but they're waiting for someone else to do it. What I'm talking about is Waiting on God, waiting in his presence, waiting and knowing him, getting to know him. It's the hardest thing to do. 
I hate to wait. I'd have a bumper sticker on my car that says that. I hate to wait. How many of you enjoy waiting? The Louisiana DMV has taught me to wait. In fact, most of us will go someplace else and pay more so we don't have to wait. Right? I had an orthopedic surgeon. He taught me to wait. Even after they put you in the room, say the doctor will be here. One time it was 90 minutes. And he was down the hall, I could hear him. And the first time it was there, I just sat there waiting, think he's coming. All of a sudden, all the lights went out. They had a motion detector in the room. And if nobody moves for like eight minutes, all the lights go out. And I'm sitting there going, they shut down and went home. They forgot I'm here. I'm like, whoa, and the lights came on. I went, and then I saw the little switch on the wall with a little light. So I start timing my watch every seven minutes. And I, I'm dead every seven minutes. I'm... And finally, one time, about that time, about the time I'm waving the thing, the doctor walks in, he waves back. I said, I ain't waving at you. You've had me sitting in here for 85 minutes. He says, well, my time is very valuable. I said, well, I'll send you the bill for my time too. Come on now. Because I tell you what, the older you get, your time is more valuable. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is. There were things when I was young, I said, I can do that and save a few bucks. Now I know I could do that and it'll take me forever. I could pay someone else who can do it a lot faster. I'm serious. Now think about this. 500 people saw Jesus go up in the sky. 500 people were told to wait. 380 left. Only 120 stayed. How do you think the other 380 felt when they heard what happened? Now, I have spoken about this before. I remember one day when it hit me. Imagine the guy who waited nine and a half days and finally said, nothing's going to happen. I'm going home. And the next morning, Holy Spirit falls. And imagine him coming and running to the square and seeing the 120 speaking in other tongues and languages, declaring the wonders of God, tongues of fire on their head. And, and, and he'll say, I was part of that group. <laughs> then why ain't you up there? Well, I got tired of waiting. I went home. And, and, uh, and it, I never thought of it before, Brother Josh. But out of the 500... 380 never experienced tongues of fire on their head. Only 120. Because they weren't willing to wait. They were not willing to wait. I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me yesterday, it's time for the church to discover who I am. And it's time that they use the authority that I've given them. God is saying, quit doing it in your own strength. Stop believing the lies that the church in America is dead. I'm going to say that again. 
I'm not preaching about God loves America better or anything. God, God demands the same of every nation, of every people. But we're quick to write off this country. We're quick to believe what the secularists say, what, what the newspapers say, what the media says, that the church, we, we, we're, we're being inundated by a giant who's standing forth and defiling the name of the army of God. And he says, I defile the God of the church today. And he spews forth his lies that the church is no longer relevant. We need to quit believing the falsehoods that young people are not interested in God and spiritual things. We need to quit believing the propaganda that is spun by academia, that religion has no appeal. Let's quit believing that there's no hope for the future of this nation. I will say this, it may not end up looking like it did in the past. And for some of you, you have no clue what that means because you're too young but I can tell you this from where my vantage point is it may not look like what it used to look like but God has always had a remnant that has not bowed and will not bow at any cost for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ For God has promised, and God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. For he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and even on my servants, my, he says, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. That is the word of God for the end of days, for the last days. And the church in America has lost sight of the promise of God. The church in America has forgotten who God is, their God is. The church in America has heard the giant spew its hatred towards it, and it is running in fear. But I am praying, I'm praying that there will be some Davids in the land that will hear the voice of this giant who says, I defile the God of the church in America today. And will stand up and say, who dares mock the God of the church of Jesus Christ? Where are those Davids? Where are those with the spirit of David? I am praying that God will be, that, that, that people will go from living on the defense that, that they've been living that way for so long that they will come to know who their God really is. I remember years ago in South, South, South Louisiana, it was during Mardi Gras season. And I, I remember preaching a message, throw me something, mister. And I said, that's the way so many Christians approach God. And God, throw me a blessing. God, throw me this. God, do this. God, do this. Like he's, that's what he's made to do. That he's up there to do that. My friends, our focus needs to change. Our focus needs to become clear. It's not about us. It's about the God of the church. It's the one who created you, who, who redeemed you, who 
put his DNA inside of you who has destined you for a purpose in this hour. I'm praying that there will be those who will commit to put aside things that have robbed them of the time needed to get to know their God. In Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21 says, To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. Do you, did you see that? He can do what exceedingly? What above? Above what? All that you can ask or imagine and when you're asking for morsels and he said I've set a table in the wilderness before your enemies we've demoted God we've made him so small he said according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So let me close by asking you, is there anyone here today? You may be watching by way of the internet. I don't care where you're at. You may be in your car driving down the road. If you do, don't stand up, pull off the side of the road. <laughs> I say that because somebody told me the other day that they came under such conviction they they went to stand up they went to like god here i am and forgot they were going down the interstate 75 mile an hour i said pull off the road next time put it in park then put your hands up but i just wonder if there's anyone here who's ready to say god change my focus give me understanding give me boldness to be a david in the land of Goliath and if God is speaking to you and you're willing to accept that challenge you're you're tired of the giant getting his word out and you're ready to say who is this giant that he should defile the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who will stand up against him I just wonder if there's anyone in here today, you're saying, I'll stand. I'll be a David in my generation. I'll stand in the land of Goliath. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right now where you're at. I don't care who you came with, who you're with. Don't look at somebody and say, well, if you stand, I'll stand. No, then sit down if that's what you're doing. Because the minute they run, you're going to run. See, God is put, pouring out the spirit of David upon people's heart. They're just saying, I've, I've had enough with these giants. I've had enough with this propaganda. I've had enough that the church is dead. God is raising up an army. He's raising up a church. He's raising up individuals who will march to the beat of the throne of God. Who will say, not my kingdom. But your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord Jesus. Right where you're at. This is the moment that God is... You're telling Him, enlist me. Change my heart. Change my focus. God, show me where I need to make time for you. Can I tell you, if you're giving God the leftovers, that's all He'll ever get. 
you got to put them first on your agenda. You got to put them first on your schedule. You got to put them first on your calendar. And that means it might mean you got to move something off to make room for Him. If you're waiting for the day when things settle down, I heard, I don't know how many people this week going, man, I thought things were going to slow down, but here's summer. Man, we're off rock like a rocket. I'm like, it's, that's the way life is. You got to make a place for God. You got to put them first. Because the time to get close to God is not when you're facing the giant. Father, we just pray right now. You see individuals all across this place. People who will respond in the days and weeks to come. Who watch by way of the internet. By YouTube or Facebook or the website. And Holy Spirit, what's real in this place right now will be real in that very moment where they're at. God, I hear you saying, which is clearer, A or B? Which is clearer, you or me? God, we want you to be clearest. We want your purposes to be sure and secure in our hearts, in our lives, in our mind. Change our understanding. Give us understanding. That we're called to be more than just individual conquerors. We're called to be an army. We're called to be a witness throughout the earth. Mighty God, Holy Spirit, right now, make note in your book that when they stand before you when each and every one of us stand before you they will see this day for you have stamped it and imprinted it in the book and we will be held accountable as to how we respond to the challenge Will it be a spur-of-the-moment event or a life-changing event? I mean, after you watch someone go into heaven, what else do you talk about? But God, when you taken my life and brought me out of the pit that I was in, and you delivered me, and you miraculously healed me, and you set me free and filled me with your spirit, what else is there to talk about? You should be primary, focus, central in all things. We pray this today, Jesus. Because yeah, yeah. you are my champion, and giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won I am who you say I am You crown us with confidence We are seated In the heavenly place Undefeated With the one who has conquered it all 
You are our champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won. We are who you say we are. You crown us with confidence. We are seated. In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who has conquered it all Come on church, come on, we are We are our champions Giants fall when you stand undefeated Every battle you won we are who you say we are. You crown us with confidence. We are seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered you all. and shout every wall comes crashing down we have the authority Jesus has given us when we open up our mouths miracles start breaking out we have the authority has given us when we lift our voices and shout everyone comes crashing down we have the authority Jesus has given us when we open up our mouths every Jesus has given us Oh, you've given us authority You are our champion Giants fall when you stand undefeated Every battle you've won We are who you say we are You crown us with confidence We are seated In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who has conquered you all You are our champion and giants fall when you stand undefeated Every battle you won We are who you say we are You crown us with confidence We are seated In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who 
Some individuals in this place right now, you have been and are still being bullied by demonic oppression. I don't know what area or what, 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 how it's happened, but there is a sense. If, if you have ever been bullied before, you know what I'm talking about. And you say, I, I, I hear God's word and I believe God's word and, and I know I'm saved. I, I know Christ. But there is something spiritually that has been your nemesis. Like that one giant, that one big spiritual bully that has been messing with your life for some time. And God said, this is the day he's going to drop. I don't know who you are, but if that's you, I'm not here to shame you. I don't need to know details or anything like that. But I want you to step out right across the front right here. We're going to pray right now. This thing fall off of you right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know who you are. You know what it is. You say, nobody knows. I'm not telling anybody. God knows. You know. That's all that matters. But God said, that bully's going down. That spiritual nemesis, that giant, that, that one who has come out and hurled his insults against you and his lies against you and has beaten you down on the inward part. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He'll beat you down. He'll tell you, you'll, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be anything. You're no good. Nothing. 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 You can say he, you're going to change. You're not going to change. I know you better than you know yourself. That's a lying devil. That's a bully devil. That's a Goliath that's going down today. That's a bully. That's the picture I had in my in my spirit as we were singing that song. There was like a defiant bully. In the seventh grade, I, my dad moved me from a school that I had been attending to, a brand new school on the military base in Massachusetts where we lived. Seventh grade, can I tell you, that's a hard place to change your life. And there was a bully in that school in the seventh grade. And everybody knew if he called you out, he's going to take you to the ground. And I was in the honors class and I wanted to be best in everything. And, you know, and this guy set his sight on me. I'll never forget it. All year from fall through winter to early spring, he finally comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and says, I'm calling you out after school today inside I wanted to run word spread through the whole school can I tell you bully's taking down another one he got him a fresh piece of meat you know 
And so people all day long, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I ain't worried about it. I ain't worried about it. I was worried about it. But I remembered something I'd been taught at a young age. Son, if you're going to get woke, get one lick in. Get one good lick. I got outside school, thought I could slip away, but there was a big circle formed. Probably a hundred kids and bullies waiting in the middle of the circle for me. There wasn't no skirting and going home. It was, it was early spring up in the northeast. It was still cool. So most everybody had jackets on. He said, boy, I'm calling you out now. And he's laughing and making fun of me. I'd never been bullied in my life till then. And I remembered, if you're going to get whooped, get one shot. I said, no, you ain't. We'll see about that. And he went to take off his coat. You know, how I many of you know what I'm talking about? He had a jacket on, unzips it, goes to pull it off like that. His hands are behind his back to pull his arms out of his sleeve. I said, there's my shot. Down he went. He didn't move. I stepped over him. So I'm going home. That circle just opened up and the bully laid on the ground. When I got out of sight, I ran all the way home. This is your shot. This is where you draw the line. This is where you say. It's the end of the line for you, devil. You lying devil. You. I ain't being bullied by you no more. I'm not being intimidated by you anymore. I'm not going to be put down by you anymore. You see who I am. I see who you are. I see what God has inside of you. And the reason he's being a bully to you is because he's, he's afraid of you with Holy Ghost power. You're a world changer. I said a world changer. From the time of your birth, he has had it out for you. He has tried to take you out, but God said, I have been there for you, for my hand is upon you, and my spirit now dwells within you. And as you yield yourself to me, I will make you into that which I have determined before you were even born. And I will use you for my purpose, saith the Lord, for I have things done, imagined, and, and called forth that you cannot even perceive in your mind. You think you know me, you've not seen anything yet. Get ready for the revelation of who I am, for I will show myself true unto you. And in that moment, you will rise up, not in fear, but full of faith. And miracles will break forth at the sound of your voice. For it will not be you speaking. It will be me through you, says the Lord.
shall see it in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who is conquered. You know it all, it all, it all, You are our champion, and the giants fall in. You stand undefeated Every battle you won We are who you say we are You crown us with confidence We are seated In the heavens Undefeated With the one who has conquered Devil, we draw the line. It's a bloodline. Who do you think you are to defile the people of God, the church, and the Almighty? Oh, you've made a mistake, devil. You stirred up a spiritual hornet's nest. Or we're releasing an army throughout the land. Jesus' name, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Oh, You're teaching me how to receive it. So let all the striving cease. Cause this is our victory. Now we can finally see it You're teaching us how to receive it So let all the striving cease This is our victory Now we can finally see it You're teaching us how to receive it let all the striving cease. This is our victory. You are our champion. And giants hoping you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with. 
the Lord had given her a word about and it dealt with David and Goliath and notice was that Goliath was covered in armor but God gave David the wisdom of where his weakness was we knew that he he threw the stone and pierced him right here and that God would give you the wisdom to know where the weakness of the enemy is when he comes against you see again that's a changing of our focus when the giant comes we see him in all of his array and we're we run in fear because of that but we fail to remember he has a weakness and when that enemy comes against you and look you've been delivered today from that bully but he will come again he's going to find out whether or not you really mean business and you have to come against him with the word of God not an experience but the word of God I am a child of God I am the child of the King I have the Spirit of God within me the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me the Word of God is my strength my source my shield my sword my buckler all of those things you've got to come against him and God will show you where the weakness is of that demon that devil that comes against you and you'll see that giant go down he's already defeated he's done I said he's done. Amen. Amen. He's defeated. Amen. Amen. Woo. Maranatha. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you want to be come back at six o'clock, we're going to do the last teaching, and we'll be here. Otherwise, don't forget. There's a right across the hall right now. I think they're getting ready to start. I know it's gone late, but hey, who? We're not going to tell the Holy Spirit he has to stop. Amen. Because we got a meeting. So anyway, praise the Lord. It's apparently the corporate progression to the bridge of wedding.